Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Finally, the week of training camp is upon us here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, the official kickoff to the Browns 2022 season. Nathan Zagura and Jason Gibbs with you for the next couple of hours here on Cleveland Browns Daily and the quarterbacks, the rookies and some selected veterans, those coming back off of injury have been here since Friday. They put in some work over the weekend and now tomorrow everybody else will report and then training camp will officially begin on Wednesday with the first practice open to the public this Saturday, Gibbe. So what that means for you. Can we you, delay this another week or two? I need a little more time. For you and me is that it's over, my friend. It, it really is. Summer is over. Good news is summer's end brings football's beginning. And so that gives me a little bit of comfort. So that's the big thing. We're going to get into some of the news of the day. No, none of, not the big news. That has not yet happened. As I know everybody is waiting with bated breath for the ruling from Judge Sue L. Robinson on Deshaun Watson. But that has not yet occurred. So we are in the same spot we have been in for a long time long time as it relates to that but Deshaun was here uh, over the weekend saw him on Saturday as we were out here putting together something for you guys that I think you're really going to enjoy a little teaser for you there but the first practice open to the fans will be this Saturday the first practice Wednesday with this football team as they get ready for what could be an amazing 2022 season uh, for the Cleveland Browns a very talented team obviously the big question and it is a massive one you can't be understated uh, what will happen at the quarterback position we don't know the answers to that yet but when we do that's when we really start to move forward and have an idea of what this team could be and really what it, it, its ceiling will be, what its floor will be as we get ready here for 2022. But before we get into some of the news of the day, because the Browns made a couple of moves at the end of the week, we'll talk about that. Uh, I just want to give a real quick because this was really your last weekend of fun. So I wanted to see, you know, what did you do uh, to enjoy that? How are you doing? You know what? It was, it had a nice weekend. I uh, had a fantastic uh, little night out. On Friday night, I uh, uh, had a run uh, up to Vermilion, the the family's old stomping grounds. Nice. Ended up at a little Chez Francois, one of my favorite places. You love that spot. I do. Um, uh, I did that uh, Saturday, a little, uh, little golf outing. Uh, my wife knew what that meant, that uh, things were going to get a little ugly for yours truly. Yep. And uh, lived up to the hype and then some at the I, trolley house open. Shout I, out. Sure, it did. Herb. Uh, things went really well. Had a great day. Uh, Sunday, we had a little uh, we had a little family barbecue out here yesterday for uh, uh, family before uh, training camp officially kicks off. A uh, chance for the kitties to play on all the inflatables and do all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, came out, hung out, and I realized halfway through the barbecue, I go, I know why this is a friends and family. I know why this is a family event before camp. This is your last chance to really see your family before uh, before February. Before we get into the mix, yeah. which we are uh, we're embarking upon that, so that's good. I'm glad you had a great weekend. Yeah, what about you, man? It was good. You got, were off on Friday. Did you play golf? Got a little golfing on Friday, which was nice. I uh, had a blast doing that, and then um, 
Saturday was out here doing some some stuff that people I think will get a big kick out of when we uh, when we drop that. And then uh, Saturday night was AIW's Absolution 15, which is kind of their WrestleMania, and that was out in uh, down in Akron and and got to call that. And uh, I saw I, you had to like fill a little time, like they were putting up barbed wire. Yeah, so the main event, yeah, they took the ropes down. Broski, Matt Cardona, my buddy, had to relinquish the uh, titles because due to the bicep injury he suffered and he had to have surgery, and so he wasn't able to compete. And so he got to choose the stipulation for the main event between Joshua Bishop and Derek Dillinger, which was an instant classic, and he chose a no-rope barbed wire match, which means they literally take the ring ropes off of the ring and instead replace them by stringing barbed wire and X's and lines all around the outside of the ring. So if you got thrown into the quote-unquote ropes, you were just being thrown into barbed wire. It was gruesome. Josh Bishop emerged as the champion. He's now a three-time AIW champion uh, and intense champion, joining the three-timers club there. He's the first-ever three-time AIW intense champion. But Dillinger, no shame in losing that one. It was an, a classic, and the whole card was great. You can get it on independentwrestling.tv. I'd highly recommend it. They had they brought in some guys, uh, a luchador named Commander from Mexico, who I've seen a lot of wrestling. I have seen a lot of professional wrestling in my life. This guy might have been the single greatest flyer I have ever seen in terms of what he was able to do. An unbelievable tag match, bulking season, and uh, PME. You had some brawls. Broner, who I think is destined to be a megastar, uh, in a brawl with PB Smoove. Yeah, it was just it was a great night of professional wrestling. It was awesome to be a part of it, and uh, so I had a blast doing that on Saturday night. But I was like wiped out because it was a long show, a lot of energy devoted to it. And by the time I got home from Akron, it was close to one in the morning. I did have some homemade pizza though. Uh, I, I I did see that. Yeah, Miss Kay and your uh, wife social media and Bryce made uh, some pizzas, and they were delicious. Like shockingly good i couldn't have been happier now i would i know i was famished but i know they were really good because we had them the next day for lunch as well and i still thought they were great and it, Wait, it really do was you have a pizza oven so we got some stones that we just put into our oven okay we don't have like That's a true right. pizza oven clearly but, it works oh it worked it worked very very well and then yesterday i got to hang out with the kiddos and we went to um to top golf and had a little fun there and bryce was struggling early but on the last one he had one ball left it was the last shot and he had to hit it into the green one to get back into the positive numbers. Best shot of the day, boom, right in the center of the green. It was like a walk-off. It was unreal. So that was very exciting. And then we, uh, he's we not, just chilled. He's not, the, he's not into the athletic things. No, he's not. I'm trying to get him into – I'm like, just it's a great skill to have. Yes. You, you got all the time, but he, that's, not, that's not his bag. That's fine. But he uh, did, did hit the shot of the day when he knocked that one in there. So that was actually pretty uh, – that was pretty awesome. So it was fun, and then now we're we're ready to go. You know, here we are getting ready for the Browns, and it's a the Browns had some news of their own over the weekend. <laughs> of course, the day we take off, it's just one thing after another. As I was here on Friday, going through, I'm like, well, all right, well, we can talk about it on Monday. Well, we and we will. We'll talk about it now, and and that's fine because it's not. This isn't major news. No. The first one is that the Browns signed Josh Rosen. The quarterback out of UCLA, former first-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals in the 2018 draft, 10th overall, uh, played in 26 career games between the Cardinals, the Miami Dolphins, and the Falcons. Uh, he's got a total of 16 starts 
in his career. Spent most of the 2020 season on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad before being added to the 49ers active roster for his career. 2,864 passing yards, 20, 277 completions, and 12 touchdowns. And a lot of people were reading into this that, oh, the Browns must know what's happening with Watson, and this is a sign that they need to you know, get another quarterback and get ready. And look, you always have four quarterbacks in, the, in camp. I mean, it is very commonplace for the Browns to have four quarterbacks here at this time of year. And I think if you're looking at it, I think Josh Rosen's being brought in here to give you another camp arm and also a chance to, you know, resurrect his career and to push Josh Dobbs for the team's third quarterback spot. And I think that's really, it's just that simple. So that's why he is here. I was surprised. Chosen Rosen wearing number 19, which is certainly interesting there. And uh, 19, Bernie Kozar. Didn't work out as well for Corey Coleman? No, it did not. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. So hopefully it, it gives a little bit of, of good luck and, and some juice to Josh Rosen there. Um, also on Friday, the Browns signed defensive tackle Perry on Winfrey, which means that all nine of their draft picks from 2022 are signed and ready to go. And I saw Perry on here on Saturday. He looks great. He's fired up to get after it. And it, it has been nice, you know, today – and Saturday as well, but seeing the coaches back. You know, I love this coach staff. We had our guy Jeff Howard was walking by earlier. Saw Chad O'Shea, uh, Coach Tarver. I talked to Coach Prefer earlier today, Alex Van Pelt, uh, Joe Woods. They're all running around. And so, you know, and they're all excited because this is what it is all about for them. They all had a nice summer. And it's funny, as creatures of such routine and people who, you know, love this game and have such passion for it. You know, they miss not being around the game. And so that that time off, they love being with their families, but they are ready now to get back here and get after it. So it's been fun seeing them. Now, one rookie who we will not be seeing right away, and it's somebody that we have, I think, very high hopes for. I think there's a very good chance that David Bell is the Browns' opening day starting slot receiver. Uh, David Bell, due to a foot injury, was placed on the active, physically unable to perform list. He will count toward the active roster and is eligible to be activated upon passing a physical. Now, I saw him walking around on Saturday. He was in sneakers. Looked good to me. This is, I'm told, not a serious injury that is supposed to keep him out of action for very long. So, you know, look, when you're a rookie, regardless of how good you were in college, how productive you were, and how talented you were, and what a good OTA you had and a good minicamp you had, as, as we've said, didn't see him drop a single pass. Now, he would say he dropped one. I would say he didn't drop any. Uh, you need those reps. You need that time so that you can get ready and get acclimated so it's all second nature so you can be playing fast right out of the gate. And that's what the Browns are hoping for with David Bell. So, again, not supposed to be a serious injury, um, not supposed to be a long-term thing, but you want him in there. You want him in there and you want him getting those reps. You want him building that chemistry with his quarterbacks and being ready. So the good news is it sounds like he will be back sooner rather than later. And look, we still are not even, we haven't even had our first training camp practice. Our first game is not until what, Friday, uh, August the 12th? Yes. Is that right? Down in Jacksonville. So it's coming quickly. It is coming quickly, but we sit here, it's July 25th. So we're talking, we got some time, 19 days. We got play. We got some time, so I, I think that he will be he'll be back and should be ready for that one, which is good news there. But we'll keep you updated as we hear things on David Bell, and of course, Coach Stefanski will be speaking with the media. I imagine that is one of the questions he'll be asked, you know, right out of the gate here as we get ready with training camp. And so, give me first practice is Wednesday. The first practice open to fans is Saturday, but those Wednesday, Thursday, Friday open to the media, and we'll have all 
the we, normal availability. Yeah, we will be outside for it. We so, will be outside. Weather permitting. Wednesday, of course, day one's not looking great on the weather forecast. But uh, Thursday and Friday look beautiful. And, and frankly, I think the weather for the weekend, I think for the next week it's going to be around 80 degrees. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad yeah, no, at it, all. It's, uh, um, it, it sucks about Bell just because, like you said, you need, you need every rep. When a rookie doesn't start on the football field, he's behind right off the get-go. Can he make it up? Absolutely, especially because the vets haven't even reported yet. But, you know, if it's only a week, then great. If it's longer than that, I mean, he's going to be playing catch-up, and that's never great. Um, from a Rosen standpoint, you know, I, I also think it goes back to how much do you play your starters in the three preseason games? You know, I mean, you, not only for a camp arm, but for a preseason arm as well. Yeah, yeah. And what can you do? What can you show? This is a guy that people thought highly of, obviously, coming out of college. I'll yep. never forget when the, the play-by-play voice of USC and Sam Darnold at that time <laughs> came on here and we said, you know, who are you going to take? And we thought for sure he was going to say, you got to take Sam Darnold. I said, I would take Josh Rosen. Now, it has not worked out for him. There's no doubt about it. It has not worked out. His NFL career has not gone the way that he thought it would or that really anybody probably thought it would when he was made the 10th overall pick. But another opportunity in a very quarterback-friendly offense with an excellent coaching staff, you know, with Kevin Stefanski, Alex Van Pelt, Drew Petzing in that quarterback room. And so we'll see how it goes. A lot of people thought perhaps – you know, because it was Rose and those Baco Nation walking by, getting ready. Browns live training camp edition returning. Our first show will be Saturday for the first open practice. We'll be live from training camp here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. But that the Browns brought in a couple quarterbacks to work out that day, A.J. McCarron and Josh Rose. You know, McCarron had been a up with the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson, uh, and they get along well. And some people thought that perhaps – that was going to be the direction they went, but Rosen made an impression, and now he has the opportunity, obviously, to maybe make this roster to go and push Josh Dobbs to be the third quarterback. That's what they're going to try. That's what he's here to do. So we'll see if he can do that. But that's really kind of that's what that move was about. It was getting that fourth quarterback arm in here. You go back to even 2018 and the quarterbacks that were in the room. For, but you have a bunch of them. Remember Blau and Brogan Roback and Garrett Gilbert and Stanton Baker and Terod Taylor. I think that year in 2018, it was when we were on Hard Knocks, it was Terod, it was Baker, Blau, and Brogan Roback at that time. And then I know Stanton was in the mix the next year. Garrett Gilbert came into the mix around yeah. then. So. It's not atypical to have four quarterbacks on the roster, um, and it's not – so don't read into this. Yeah. The news is going to be when the news is going to be, and I know that you want it, I want it. Now. It would be nice. It would be great. It would be great. If right now. Just get right on the air, on. so you can – who knows what my reaction will be, depending on what it is. But hopefully we'll get that soon so that just everybody can plan and everybody can move forward because ultimately that's what uh, it, it's about. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens there uh, with Deshaun Watson, and hopefully we'll get that news to you very, very soon. But this is a Brown scene that, you know, Bell is the only guy banged up right now that we know of. We'll find out if more guys come back uh, on Tuesday and have, you know, physicals and, and how all that goes as they get ready to get back here into camp. But it's a team that is complete, I would say. You know, you've got your roster set the way that you want it. Now there may be some things and needs that arise coming out of camp that you'll want to address. But for the most part, your roster set, 
and you're good to go. And now it's being about putting in that work so that when the moments come that matter in the NFL, when you're a good football team in a great division in an absolutely loaded conference, it's going to come down to probably the teams that make the playoffs, the teams that win their divisions, probably going to come down to maybe a five to eight plays over the course of the entire season and who comes through in those moments. And so all this work is going to be about the Browns coming through in those critical situational moments. And, and I certainly am optimistic that this team has the talent to be able to do so when it matters most. When we come back, we are going to go around the league and kind of just we'll set the stage for you here today as well. So we got around the league uh, at 120, 135. Anthony Poizal, our staff writer, will come in here, and we are going to look at the cornerback position. I think one of the best positions on this entire roster. In the hour number two, open up the phone lines. Training camp week. Keep the calls good. We'll keep them coming. 216-578-0850. At 2 o'clock, we will take your calls. Uh, then we'll go through some more stuff from around the league. And at 2.30, uh, taking a look at our most intriguing teams of 2022, Mike DiRocco, the ESPN NFL Nation Jags reporter, joins us. And, oh, boy, I can't wait for that one. I, I just – what an absolute debacle it was down there last year. What a chance for improvement they have this year and some talent on that Jacksonville Jags roster. Oh, by the way, it's where the Browns open the preseason slate this year just – as they did one year ago. All right, off and running here. Training camp week. It's Monday. It's Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 WKNR Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Buying or selling a home with Howard Hanna Real Estate Services is always a winning strategy. If you plan to make a move this season, we've got you covered. Because at Howard Hanna, every day is game day. Visit howardhanna.com slash go Browns today. Is anybody else just like, I'm like cons- a constant on a constant refresh right now on Twitter? Now, I realize that if something were to happen, my phone would probably do what it's done anytime there's been something crazy, like vibrate and fall right off the table because I get a thousand text messages at once, uh, like I did when we traded for Deshaun Watson. But it just feels to me like this has to, it has to get done. And yet, here we are. I am not refreshing. I, I've given up on it. Smart, smart. Um, I haven't done it until today, to be honest. I, I, I have other things that I'm monitoring. But I'm not losing sleep on it. Like I, at this point, when it happens, then I got to deal with it and cross that bridge. We get we're getting curveballs thrown at us right and left. We just got to deal with it. All right. I, I don't. I mean, I. There is no indication that it's even going to come this week. No, currently there is not. You're not wrong about that. I, I just. I. I don't. I never mind. I don't have anything really great to say. So. Well, listen, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Yeah. And no, then... I know. I I just – it it is amazing that we don't have this put to bed yet. In the words of the great macho man, what it is is what it is. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. That's in that, there it is. That's all we can do. Yeah. That's all we can do. All right. Are going around the league, we got a few more of these coming out today, and the Browns will not have one. We told you that. Not have an alternate helmet this year. But we have gotten uh, now, I believe there are 13 teams with alternate helmets uh, and total. Is that right? 8, 10, 
14. 14 teams have an alternate helmet or a throwback, although they use the Cowboys one twice, so it's really 13 teams. Yeah. So here are the alternate helmets. All right, Gibbe. Let's give me, give me your top two and then the two that you don't care about at all. So we've got the Chicago Bears orange helmet, which I'm not a huge fan of. Fine. The Bengals white the Cardinals black helmet. Now you have some on here. It says the Cardinals are going all black with a twist. Did we talked about it earlier? Have you found the twist, Gibbe? Um, stand by. Stand Working by. through that. All right. We've got the Commanders who just have kind of like an all black helmet with a little yellow W in the front of it. The Cowboys bringing back the white Thanksgiving helmet, a black Eagles helmet, a black Jets helmet, a black Saints helmet, a black Carolina Panthers helmet. And a red Texans helmet, plus the Falcons are bringing back their throwback red. Patriots bringing back the throwback white, Pat the Patriot. And the Giants bringing back the Phil Sims, Lawrence Taylor era, navy blue with Giants and the one red stripe. All right, let's go to the to the alternate helmets, Gibbe. What are your top two of these alternate helmets? I really like the Panthers. That's Strong. in my top two. I feel like I want to go Jets. Oh, the black Jets. Okay. I don't mind that with the green face mask. So they're yeah. going to do an all black, like a total all blackout. So are the Eagles. Um, I, I would go with those two. I, there's something about me that actually doesn't mind the Bears helmets. The rest of the uniform? Yeah, I'm, but it's I'm all so orange. Sure I don't know. It's a straight. It, I don't know. That's not correct. It doesn't feel like the monsters of the midway to me. Uh, for me, the clear winners here are the white Bengals helmet. I think is beautiful. That whole out uniform they're going to wear with it is beautiful. Uh, I think that the I do like the black Saints helmet. I will say that as well. But I, I'm going with the black and blue Panthers helmet. I think that is just phenomenal, and that's going to look great. So those are my two favorites. I love the Red Falcon. I love the Pat the Patriot, and I love the Throwback Giants. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that there is no throwback Denver Broncos, that Russ will not be able to wear the orange jersey with that light blue lid with the D and the, and the Bronco coming out of it. I think that's a big miss there. I do think that we, down the line, will have what everybody's looking for, the white, but it will not be this season for the Cleveland Browns. I, I like all of these, honestly, and I'm fine with, you know, some people are saying, why are there so many, you know, black helmets, um, why because they're cool that's why they look cool it's a cool kind of thing that you're able to go out there and add to your helmet repertoire for teams that actually do wear black i think it allows them to, yeah, to like, i think maybe the twist that i came up is that they're going to wear the black jerseys as well like it will be a yeah that's what they're gonna do a blackout they have black pants yeah. just like i'm sure the jets are going to do that the washington commander one to me is such a huh helmet to me but again they should have just stayed the Washington football team. They, honestly, they should have. I think I they, enjoyed that better than Commanders. <sighs> Same. The Red Texans feels like a miss, but I'll hold reserve judgment there. We said it all along. The Texans should be able to use the Oilers colors and make a white lid that has that blue with the red would be awesome. Uh, I'll reserve judgment on the Bucks. I think the Jets are going to look great. I think the Saints will look great. The Eagles look great. The Panthers are going to look great. The Cardinals are looking great. The Commanders will see. Uh, I love those throwback Cowboys unis, and I love – the um what the Bengals are doing with the whites and then pat the patriots undefeated the red falcons helmet's also a great helmet and the giants is gonna be great it's a beautiful uniform i love those giants uniforms so the giants ones are i think they're great they're sharp yeah i think all of this i'm a, I'm a fan of all of it uh the nfl 
no surprise here. The NFL is entering the streaming marketplace with NFL Plus service. NFL Plus will allow fans to view out-of-market preseason games on all devices, local and national regular season, postseason games on mobile devices, team and national radio feeds. Oh. Of particular interest to me and you there, Gibbe, and Mr. Jim Donovan and Gerard Cherry. I think I've got a meeting at 4 o'clock to go over those logistics. So if you have NFL Plus, that means that you can listen to our broadcast anywhere. I believe so. I believe that's what this probably means. anywhere outside of the local area. Yeah, I'm sure because local you can just in effect somewhere locally you can just listen to it because you're local. Somebody will be carrying it. Um, you'll also be able to get NFL Network shows on demand along with the NFL Films Archive. Could also include content produced by teams. Will be ac- accessed through the NFL app and website. It is an upgrade of the Game Pass service has been available to fans in the United States since 2015. Uh, NFL Plus will be able for available for four ninety nine a month or thirty nine ninety nine a premium package, which includes full and condensed game replays as well as the coaches' film, is nine ninety a month or seventy nine ninety nine. The Game Pass package was previously available for a hundred a year. NFL Plus will will be a part of. I don't know what this means, but oh, if you purchase, who purchase season tickets automatically we'll get, get it. This. Yeah. So if you have season tickets, you automatically get. It. So it's basically a uh, free a- eighty buck value. So that's pretty cool. So Game Pass has never worked the way that we all wanted it to work. I think anybody who's ever fiddled around with Game Pass would, would tell you that, and that's nothing against it. So hopefully that this NFL Plus, this app, will give you that. Because a lot of people do love – it's the only place to get the All-22 film of well, and last the NFL. Year, did we not have it last year? I feel like we it was not available. Uh, it, it was struggling last year. There's no that's doubt. That's an understatement. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was definitely – it was a struggle. Um. Uh, Moose Smith says the Cardinals have red sparkles in the black helmet, so maybe that's the uh, that's another piece of the twist. But I'm fine with that. I like that. I'm, I, I think that Cardinal uniform is going to be awesome. Uh, it also should be noted today that 42 years ago, this very day, Caddyshack was first released in theaters, which is my favorite comedy of all time. The end. Hard stop. I've read every book about the making of it. It was so we were three. An insane time. I would have been two. Okay. But thank you. Yeah, I I was three. Yeah, old. Forget that I'm older than you. Yeah, you are. That's right. That's right. A wee 44. I mean, I feel old, but nonetheless, here we go. But so uh, pretty much the greatest movie. I'm going to have to make, I, I think tonight in honor of that, in homage, I'm going to have to, uh, I think I'm going to have to put that on for the, uh, the like the nightcap tonight. A little cat, Danny. Have a fresca. Have a fresca. All right, we're going to have more than a fresca for you because when we come back, Anthony Poizel in studio, and we're talking about one of my favorite position groups on this team. I actually was just talking to our DB coach about it. He's feeling good about it and excited to see this team get out there and play, and that's I think we're going to play back-end defense really as well as anybody in the National Football League. So coming up next, we're looking at the cornerbacks. How many roster spots are open? What roles are truly open in this cornerback room? We will talk about that when we come back here on Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste and Recycling is a family-owned and operated company. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll become a part of the family. Visit www.rumpke.com to learn more. Joining me in studio now, Anthony Poizal, Browns staff writer. CleanBrowns.com, the Browns mobile app. We see Big Drew, Jeff walking by, fine bearded men there. (laughs) AP, are you like me? Are you like constantly scrolling your Twitter or you just, you know that if something does happen, your phone's going to blow up so much that you don't even need to be like scrolling to see if any news is breaking? Uh, Yes. Uh, (laughs) Which I asked two questions. My dad would say, shame on me. No, I, I've been doing both. It's, I, I've, over the last few weeks, I've definitely, uh, like in my mind, wondered, you know, in the screen time that you kind of get on like your iPhone and it gives you a report back on what apps you're using. I, I haven't taken a look at it, but I probably should as far as how much screen how time, many, how, yeah, yeah, like that. how many clicks and how many times I've refreshed Twitter. I'm sure it's been it's been high. It's been high for the last month, two months now. Um, at this point, I would say over the last few weeks, I've kind of been more in the I'll I'll find out it'll. Somebody will reach out to me if I'm not already plugged in, and uh, we will you know, find out. We'll find out soon. So it's it's coming. It's coming. It could happen while I'm on the show here. You know, I certainly hope that it is happening, and I as we all do. We all hope that it comes soon. Now, one right. thing that we do know is that this Cleveland Browns team has a very very good cornerback room, and I think you know if you're ranking the position groups, which is giving something we always like to do. Maybe we'll get that in before training camp. You know, running back is going to be number one that you feel the best yeah. about, but. Once you get in, now you could start talking about the cornerback room because it is so deep. There's so much talent there. Where are you right now with this cornerback room, and what do you what do you think about this room? Yeah, I mean, I just like you said, I would call, I would put it as the second uh, you know most talented room on this roster behind the running back room, and and then when you look at the depth as well, there's just so many guys that I think if if you needed to call upon, you would feel pretty good about. And you know, obviously, it starts with Denzel Ward, um, and there's not there's not a whole lot of new stuff we could say about him. He's been the same con- consistent, uh, productive cornerback every single year. Um, obviously, they rewarded him with that handsomely with that five-year extension one of the bigger news pieces of the offseason um but he's got you know i mean double digit pass breakups every year of his career he's been everything that you know you can ask for when it comes to trying to get one of the uh, you know a top cornerback in this league and um he's been he's been a top leader for the defense too i think you know uh, the guys that uh, the new guys that they've added to that room these last few years have really kind of you know attached themselves to his hip and have been able to learn a lot from him both just by watching what he does in practice and um, you know it's just it's just so important to have a guy like him to start out uh, in a cornerback room and and then when you kind of move on to the other guys you know you see Greg Newsom and and the role that he might be stepping into this year in the slot yep. and that's I think the big question the biggest question that's going to be in that cornerback room and one of the biggest questions on the defense this year is you know how big of an adjustment is that for him and um, I, I, I definitely think he's well suited for it uh, especially for a guy that's only going into his second NFL season but he played well last year, and he I did. think I think the Browns, you know, they they traded away Troy Hill because they believe you know Newsom can step into that role. So we'll get a good look at that in training camp. But yeah, I think that just you know when you look at the depth chart and what what is most likely going to look like, you got to feel really good about who they have. You know, injuries are going to arise at some point, and um, as long as it's not like they happen all at once or at one particular point of the season, unless you're got, in LA playing the Chargers, then they all seem to happen at once right that's that's the big uh aj green you know stepped up in that game greedy but even still like guys you know they 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 did what they could to step up whenever those injuries happened last year and uh and i you know they added another guy to that room now with with emerson so i i think it's 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 definitely one of the top uh you know strengths of this team is is what they have in the cornerback room 
Yeah, and you mentioned it. Denzel Ward, your starters, Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom, and then they'll kick inside when uh, Greg will kick inside when Greedy comes on. But, you know, you need to have, we've heard a lot, you got, want to have five corners. Well, we talked about those top three, and, and here's some things that are interesting. You mentioned about Denzel, the two-time Pro Bowler, multiple pass breakups or double-digit in every season yep, of yep. his career. Um, then you have Greg, who last year when he was in the slot, allowed just .93 yards per cover snap, fifth best in the NFL. And then Greedy actually... Last year had a 71.7 quarterback rate when targeted, which was the best on our team in terms of wow. our corners okay, who did, played yeah. the most. Uh, only one touchdown allowed all year. Didn't allow a single pass play of more than 40 yards last year. Eight starts, two picks, 10 pass breakups, which tied for right. the team lead with Denzel Ward. And so uh, he had an excellent season, and I know they're optimistic about him. And then you go and use your first pick on MJ Emerson, who was very good at Mississippi State. In mm -hmm. fact, I think this is one of the stats where you say, okay, that's a lot of respect is that teams target him on just 13.3% of his coverage snaps as last year right. in the SEC. And there are good receivers and good quarterbacks in the SEC. Yeah, I think that's the big thing that you need to keep in mind when you look at what Emerson did last year. Like his, his, the stats, the interceptions, the pass breakups, like they weren't numbers that, you know, popped off the screen race recently right so sure but then you've taken that consideration that he just wasn't being as targeted as as he was in previous years and as, as other top cornerbacks are normally targeted so um and that's a compliment for him and that's because he played really yeah. well uh, i believe it was his sophomore season at mississippi state and and um i think you know other teams took notice for that and that's why he was the third round pick is that the Browns knew that it's not, it wasn't because of lack of opportunity necessarily. It just, there wasn't uh, he didn't have a whole lot of chances to get interceptions if he views because he just wasn't being targeted as much. And um, I think they, they really like the, the tall lengthy frame. That's the one thing that they are always saying that they like most about him is that, you know, that, that gives him an extra advantage and it's going to help them go against a lot of the bigger receivers that are becoming more and more dominant in the NFL. It seems right now. Um, yeah. He'll be able to help him out with that. And, and as he develops, I think that's going to be the, the main thing he's assigned to. And I think right now, you know, he's going to be competing with A.J. Green to be the next guy up should something happen. And Emerson, he's got the size, 6'2", 201, 33-inch arms. He's perfect for our system, cover three, press man. You mentioned that stats don't jump out at you, but he only was targeted 130 times in college and had 15 PBUs. So yeah. he was breaking up more than one every for every 10 targets that came his way. So he right. can get his hands on the football. Yeah, for And sure. a smart guy, on a roll in 2019 and 2020. A tough guy playing 36 consecutive games uh, in, in Mississippi State. And that's huge. That I mean, is that's, huge. That's huge. In their season opener in 2020, he dislocated his shoulder in the game and finished the game yeah. and didn't even miss a practice snap the very next week. So those are your top four. And then A.J. Green. And how about this? A.J. Green. So I talked about from our starters yeah. what Greedy led our team in. A.J. Right. Green only played 176 snaps, but – he was the Browns' second-highest-graded defensive player overall, 86.2. Had the highest coverage grade, 90.3. Again, 176 snaps. He had six PBUs, one pick. Allowed 27.3% completions and a quarterback rating of 21.4 when targeted. Yeah, I always thought He AJ played great. Green, I was going to say, Adrian Green, to me, last year was always a guy that I thought you know, deserves like more credit. Like I think he's like an underrated player. Guy had an underrated season last year. Like whenever he was needed, whenever the injuries came up, he was able to step in and, and get the job done. Like that, those six pass breakups, when you look through the list of guys that, you know, are on the, on the pass breakup list last year for the Browns, he was like right up there near the top, only four less, I think than Denzel and greedy. And it's like, considering that he, he his opportunities were limited just by where he was on the depth chart. It's a super impressive season. And, you know, you need, you can't have a deep cornerback room unless you have guys like A.J. Green that can step in on a moment's notice like that, come in and 
handle, you know, some pretty tall assignments against some top receivers. Um, I know last year against the Chargers was one of the games he had with two pass breakups, and that was a game yeah. that, yeah, like the, you know, defense struggled that day, but then everything else after that, like that was kind of like the, the low point. And I think that game helped them, you know, that experience, just getting their feet wet in that one game that season really kind of helped the rest of uh, the back end of the cornerback room there really kind of take off for the end of the year. And, um, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if A.J. Green's counter on again at certain points this season and performs just as well as he did last year. I, I just I just thought he deserved more credit for what he did last he year. He did. He was great. Yeah. And that's the thing. You go back and you look at, you know, I remember from my talking to, to Jeff Howard about him. He said he's accountable. You can always count on him to do the right thing, be in the right position in the right alignment. And so he did that last year. And to think about the fact that he played 176 snaps and was directly involved in three takeaways. One interception. He's the last Browns player to ever intercept Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. The last Browns hey. player to ever get an interception at Heinz Field yeah as being named that's Heinz impressive. Field that's a trivia question that it is trivia question and yeah. he had two fumble recoveries as well so yeah. I think those top five are locks I, like, I agree barring injury I, I they're agree five too. for five I, I and then you know we were going to talk about it well are they going to keep five guys or six guys I, I think they will take six guys just because when you see uh, you know the type of players that they have behind them with Parnell Motley Reggie Robinson Herb Miller Sean Jolly so guys that we don't know really a whole lot about of yet but I mean if one of those guys you know, has a solid training camp. And if they're, I know, we, like we talked about on the last week, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, hard decisions and, you know, difficult roster spots that you got to decide, are they, are we going to keep this amount of guys in this position? And they just, I wouldn't be surprised if they do keep six corners though, just because you need that depth and you got to make sure you have a plan in case, you know, injuries always come up at that position. So, yeah. Um, so we got four more corners on the roster that yeah. my guess would be competing for one active spot and maybe yeah. a couple spots on the practice squad to right. see what they, you do there. But right. Herb Miller was the guy who was with us last year. I would mm -hmm. say he probably has the early advantage. Yeah. Nine games last year, mostly on special teams. Uh, had five teams tackles. Um, this guy who played four games for Tampa Bay in 2020. He had a pick and five tackles. He's well-liked by the players, too. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt Herb Miller is well-liked. But you mentioned Reggie Robinson. He was a fourth-round pick of Dallas in 2020. He's been in five career games. Parnell Motley uh, has four career games and one start. He's been with Tampa, the Niners, Denver, Detroit, and now the Browns. So those guys have experience. And then Sean Jolly's our uh, undrafted free agent this year, who's more of a smaller slot corner, three-time mm -hmm. All-Sun Belt Conference first team uh, out of Appalachian State. But a couple of those guys could still be in the program, and one of them has a chance. And, and right now you'd say Herb Miller's got the best chance, but Reggie Robinson was a fourth-round pick, mm -hmm. you know, was not an undrafted free agent like yeah. Miller. So that people liked him, obviously, coming out of Tulsa. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something that Jeff Howard can, you know, a little piece of advice that he can give him that'll kind of maybe help him find that extra gear. But I think, you know, you mentioned special teams, and that's really what that's that, that specific job is going to come down to is, you know, which guy can maybe do the most on special teams. That's just how it normally plays out at the end of the cornerback room. But, um, I mean, if they do decide to keep five, you know it's going to be a good five. Uh, and, oh, and man. A great five. So, um, I mean, I, f I just feel like if you're Joe Woods and, and all the – combinations and possibilities that he likes to throw together in packages with his secondary guys and he sees what he has in this room right now and and in the safety room and i mean you can't be in a much better spot if, if you're like who joe woods is so give had some questions will newsom be the full-time slack corner yeah yeah i don't i think so i mean that's what that's the look that certainly they kept on offering uh in in you know spring practices and everything so uh that that's who i i'd fully expect to see out there for for most if not all of training camp and um, I mean, like we were talking about before, I think he's, he's well suited for it. It's going to be an adjustment for him, a bigger challenge, but um, I, I don't think it's anything he's not prepared for. I think he's ready. How big are the injury concerns of position and the depth we talked about? We think the depth's great. And yeah, 
injuries happen. I mean, you want to see these guys play full because, you know, Denzel, that was the one that can he play the full season. Greg played in 12 games a year ago. Yeah. You know, Greedy missed all of, you know, 2020. And then he played 16 games last year, which is just like, I mean, I think that was the most games that that any cornerback played last year for for the Browns was 16 by Greedy, which was just great to see after after his injury 2020. So they said last year, five cornerbacks made the roster over under just right. I think I think we'll get six. I, I would say I would say six as well. Uh, but I mean, that could change maybe a week in the training camp, depending on who other positions too. I mean, there's just so many factors and variables to consider when you're predicting the bottom spots like that. So, Oh yeah. So yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's six on the ESPN top 10 cornerbacks is voted by NFL execs, coaches, and players. Denzel Ward came in number six, pushed for top five status. Thanks to elite coverage skills, two pro bowls in four years. Quote, if the dude is healthy and on the field, he's one of the best man coverage players out there. He's elite footwork and fluid movement. Would knock him on instincts. He'll probably never be a Deion Sanders top-level anticipator, but he's got all the tools. Ward had three interceptions uh, last year. One AFC coach said he doesn't think Ward's toughness matches others on the list, but an AFC exec pushed back on that. He said, actually, darn tougher than he's given credit for. He's just small at 5'11", 190, so it's more durability than toughness. Over four seasons, Ward has allowed 5.9 yards per attempt as a primary defender. His completion percentage at 53% is 5.6% lower than expected per next-gen stats. So obviously a very talented player. And I think, I think the Browns have a lot of talented guys in this room. Yeah, I, for sure. I mean, it's just when, specifically when you get the top three guys, right? Denzel, Greg, Greedy. Like if one of those guys hurt, you're not slamming the panic button. Uh, you know, Greg is able to obviously start on the outside. Greedy, that's how he got a lot of his, uh, you know, quality plays last year was when he was starting on the outside. And and it's like, you know, they just they have options. And this is about as deep of a cornerback room as you can ask for uh, when it when it comes to building a, a defense like this and um it's gonna you know having a room like this where you can have okay if, if denzel and greedy are on the outside and greg's on the inside and you can count on all three of those guys that's going to change the defense so much it's going to give you know more time for you know the edge rushers you know you two great edge rushers here too to be able to get to the quarterback like it just sure. it changes so much about how you're able to operate as a defense and especially like i was saying you know with all the different dime and nickel packages that joe woods likes to incorporate it's it, it really offers him a lot of options and really make sure that he can maximize every single strength that this defense has to offer. There's no doubt, and they have done, and I think this cornerback room and, and allow what Jeff Howard does with it, what, what Brandon Lynch, the assistant DB coach, does with it, and then obviously how Joe Woods incorporates that, gives them a lot of flexibility. And we see nickel, we see dime, which is three safeties with the three corners. I think we have a potential to see some four-corner dime this year. Yeah. And MJ Emerson – one of the things I think that's going to be interesting to watch here in training camp, one of the things that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing is we saw a little bit of at the end of OTAs and in the mini camp was him getting some work as the dime defender. Because think yeah. about it, he's 6'2", he's big, he's strong, he's physical, he can run, and he has great cover skills. Well, that's a guy who you can put on a Mark Andrews mm-hmm. and say, you go play Mark Andrews in this situation. So I'm curious to see if we get some of that where, and that might be the role for MJ Emerson to right. be against pass heavy teams with dominant tight ends. Maybe he plays some of that dime role to match up with those tight ends better than say a Ronnie could in coverage situations. Yeah, exactly. Like if, if he's able, able to do that, what are you able to do then with the Grant Delph at the Ronnie's of, of that defense, the bit the, you know, the bigger guys that you have in the secondary there. And um, I mean, who knows? I th- bet Joe Woods knows exactly where to put those guys. If it's, if it's where, if Martin Emerson is the guy that is, is playing, uh, you know, against Mark Andrews, the, those kind of big tight ends. Um, I mean, that would be such a huge advantage. Now the thing with Emerson is obviously like they don't have to rush him, uh, right? Like it's, if it, if he, 
needs a little bit of time to really um you know find his way in the league then because they have this sure. this deep strong cornerback room like they'll it won't be uh the end of the world for that for that room so um i mean yeah it's 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 good that he's on uh, on a defense like this. He's going to be, you know, they can be afford to be patient with him, and I think they're going to try to make him uh, a versatile player that they're going to be able to, you know, plug and play anywhere. And it's going to be exciting to see this room develop. So that's one I, again, Browns fans, you should feel very good about this cornerback situation, the depth, the talent, the coaching, all of it. I think it's going to be an elite room and give the Browns one of the best pass defenses in the entire. NFL. Now, a couple things I wanted to touch on with you real quickly before we got out of here. Did you see Peter King diss Josh Allen today? And what did you think of it? Josh Allen appeared to be in a great deal of pain. Yeah, I, I thought he wasn't a great deal of pain, but I will say both of them, are sp specifically Josh Allen, played it off uh, expertly, just keeping his hand out there, waiting for. Just I don't laughing. know if there was somebody behind the camera that was motioning to Peter, be like, "You've you've got uh, extra business here by shaking that hand," like you know, just letting him know that there's this is an awkward moment. Uh, but Josh Allen played it off perfectly. Uh, great moment and. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. The way he keeps his hand out there, he's kind of laughing. Like, hey, he even tried to give him a little sound effect. Like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. Like, hey, yeah, Peter King's back. so locked yeah. in. It was, it was phenomenal. Delivers it and then turns to shake his hand like nothing ever yeah. happened, which is it somehow makes it even, even better. Yeah. All right, so that was one thing. And then the other thing is, so Nick Chubb squats 600 pounds. I know we had some fun on our social media with other oh, yeah. things that weigh 600 pounds. Number one, that's insane to me. Number two, it makes me a little bit nervous whenever he does that because <laughs> it just doesn't seem like the human body is designed to do that. No. But the fact that there's so much weight on there that it makes a weightlifting bar right. look like a noodle. Yeah, it, it's insane. So the one little caveat I'll add into that is is the bar, I believe, is called a tsunami bar. Do you know what that is? No, so it automatically bends. That's not just like the one that we're going out there bench pressing. Right, with. it's not like... It's not. It, I don't think it's made out of steel. Uh, okay. I, I should have done. My you make me feel better before. about this. Good. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, it's not a steel bar that's bending like that. It's a bar that's supposed to have a little bit more. Uh, give. You know, yeah. Give to it. So, I mean, still super impressive. Um, obviously, he's got to cushion down. The one thing I wanted to point out th that was crazier that we didn't haven't talked about. This was back in May, but there was also another video back in the off season of him squatting six seventy five with a steel bar. So I, I don't know if you remember that, if you look it up, but I just saw him. Didn't he power clean 450? Yes, I, I mean he's done in some insane like, weight. That's crazy. Like that. As far as squatting goes, this, the videos that came out this week were not his max this off season. He did one 675 rep. Um, yeah. So you can check. I, I put it in the story because I remember I was like, didn't he do something else this? Yeah, that's crazy. Year, so. But what's wild to me about is you know like some people when they do their power cleans they don't go necessarily all the way back down. Like yeah. they're just trying to get it up and and catch it. Mm -hmm. He does it, but he then basically does the power clean, which is incredible, and then front squats 450 like it's nothing. Yeah, he's insane. I, insane. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around that. I'm not. No, I can't. Um, yeah, that seems that's I'm never outrageous. Be able to come close to that stuff. I don't. You and me combined <laughs> will not come close no. to that. The guy is unbelievable. Yeah. All right, AP. What can people be on the lookout for? Cleanbrands.com. Browns yeah. mobile app. Wednesday, big day. Uh, we'll get our training camp observations going on the website. Uh, that'll be something we're knocking out every single practice. Um, really looking forward to having the fans in on Saturday. There's just always an extra buzz that. Um, you know, kind of gets brought to the whole campus here. No so, um, so that's going to be awesome on Saturday. But um, obviously, you know, for the practices where we won't have fans, we'll still have it covered as far as, you know, any news headlines coming out of that, um, any 
notable feature stories uh, for the day and, and then, you know, just your, your daily dose of uh, training camp observations and what happened that day at practice. That's right. And so I'll be doing some two-minute drills in Brown's lives to make sure that everybody's not able to get out here and get a feel for what's going on here in Berea as the Browns get ready for training camp and the 2022 season. All right, when we come back, you've earned it. Another opportunity, so keep them good. 216-578-0850. Your phone calls kicking off hour number two of Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, hour number two here. Training camp week kicking off on Wednesday. The players will report tomorrow. Quarterbacks and rookies have already been here. Some new names, Josh Rosen in the mix now. Perrion Winfrey has signed his contract, and we are ready to get going on Browns Training Camp 2022. Elk and Elk, serious lawyers for serious injuries. Call 1-800-ELK-OHIO for your free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we will get your phone calls, 216-578-0850, if you get those into us. Maybe the phones aren't working. That's my guess. Our, a lot of people are already retweeting tweeting back to me with various questions. Garrett says, will Browns practice be live on YouTube again? If so, what does the schedule look like? Yes, we will have Browns live back for you this season. It will not be every practice. There is a schedule for it. Uh, I don't know if that has been released yet. I can tell you, though, for sure, the first episode uh, will be live this Saturday for the Browns' first practice that is open to the fans. That'll be live this Saturday. We will have Browns live. It'll be myself and Aditi Kinkabwala bringing you all of the action here from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus and, and really giving you some peeks in. Now, I know you guys are saying, get used to it. The cameras are going to be tight. That's just the way that it is. That's how it is at this time of the year for training camp, but we will do our best to update you on everything that's going on here, all the latest news, the latest storylines, exclusive player interviews. We'll have all that for you on Browns Live. So that is coming your way uh, beginning this Saturday, which is the first practice that is open to the players. Again, 216-578-0850 is the number. If you guys want to get on board with us still to come in this hour, we've got Mike DiRocco, the ESPN NFL Nation Jaguars reporter, to look at our 10 most intriguing teams of 2022. And the Jags are an incredibly intriguing team, given that last year was a complete and utter disaster and really a wasted season. And now they have an opportunity to turn it around with Doug Peterson, uh, now the head coach down there in Jacksonville. But for the Browns, obviously the big thing is still the Deshaun Watson decision when that comes, when that will be looming. Uh, and people are starting to feel like perhaps soon. Ian Rappaport saying that there could be some news today on that matter. Uh, and Albert Breer, and we're going to try and get you some of that audio, but was doing some interviews today, and Albert Breer saying that he believes the NFL will not appeal whatever decision is handed down by Judge Sue L. Robinson. So there were a lot of people that felt for a while that should the decision be handed down and it were two games, four games, that the NFL would then perhaps appeal it and then they could hand down their own decision. There's a feeling now that the NFL will not appeal it, but again, we don't know until that happens. Again, 216-578-0850 with your Browns questions as we get ready for training camp. Also saw something that I found to be just a little bit crazy. 
So Tyreek Hill said was on uh, today, was on um, a show today this morning and was asked why he chose, asked by Bart Scott, why he chose Miami. Uh, and he was on, it was first take today. He said, why did you choose Miami? And this is what he said. I've said it once and I'll say it again. I'd rather play with the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. Tua, he's not your typical gunslinger, but if you pay attention to his game, everything is spot on. Everything is pinpoint. The ball is on time. His fundamentals are on point. The most accurate quarterback in the NFL. That is wild to me. That's a wild statement. I think that Tua, look, he's got a chance to prove all the doubters and all the haters wrong, but to say that he's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL – that feels wild, and not only that, it just feels like he's going out of his way to put Tua over while kind of throwing a little bit of shade at Patrick Mahomes. And and so for Patrick Mahomes, who's only been one of the best quarterbacks in the league, that's it's just got to be a, it's a strange situation for me. Honestly, I think that that's a, a little bit of an odd an odd one there. But that's kind of that's where we are. Listen, the fact of the matter is, last time Deshaun Watson played in an NFL season, he led the league in completion percentage. So. Maybe he's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, and we're certainly excited to see what that looks like when he takes the field. As I said, the quarterbacks are here. They have been putting in the work over the weekend. Yes, Gibbe? We have calls. Oh, all right. We got the phones fixed. That's good. And now we've got the people, Gibbe. Give them to me. Daniel, in Naples, Florida, to kick off this segment with Nathan Zagura. He Taking just hung up. calls on Browns Daily. What's up, Daniel? He just hung up. Maybe not. What about Mark? Did he get potted up there? Oh, he just hung up. Sorry, I wasn't in mono. Sad. Yeah. How about Mark? All How right, Mark we'll in Sycamore Mark. Hills. How you doing, guys? Um, good. How are you? Good, good. I'm going to be lucky enough to come out to camp next week. And because awesome. I pay attention to the scores, I know there's going to be seating changes for the fans, and I was wondering if you can kind of explain what's going on. So what I can tell you is part of the expansion here in Berea is that the Browns purchased all those homes. If you've been out to training camp before, there were kind of all those homes uh, behind the fences. They bought all of those. They have leveled all of those. And so now there is a ton of more seating, more VIP areas. You've got some of those trailers that people are going to be able to rent for the regular season for those tailgates. They are there. Um there's just it's just so much more open, I, more I seating, more space. Go yeah, ahead, give it. I know they're putting in more. I was in a meeting this morning outside. They are putting in more bleachers on both the east side and the west side. Uh, the, the, there will be seating uh, for the general public for, in, in both situations. There, there's just flat out more room more areas to to do things and to move around and to have space and to be you know close to the action and see the action it's just such a a much bigger facility and i think there are now new points of ingress and egress as well right gibbe because you used to only be able to enter at the far end but now you can come in the side where some of those houses used correct. to correct yep yep there are three different entrances now you can uh, i i want to say over by the field house there's an entrance there. Yep. Um, there's the one on the side street. There's one on Beach Street, the, the usual one. Yeah, so it, it basically the Browns have gone 
uh, and really opened up the space, opened up the the area to create a better experience for the fans. That's you know what we're about is putting obviously the best product possible on the football field, but also delivering the best experience to the fans. And I think when you're out here, you're going to see a a change in what that looks like. There's significantly more space and room, as I said that there. And yeah, Jeff Dub- J Dubs was making fun. Of, he said. Hello, me taking phone calls. Hello, trying to get this phone to where he's got Mr. Bean. Yeah, I don't know what happened right there. I'm just here. I'm not on a phone. I'm just a man right here in the studio with you, Gibbe. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Albert Breer sharing his perspective on how the aftermath of Deshaun Watson's suspension might play out on the Dan Patrick show. Here is a, uh, here's a little clip of that. Beautiful. Let's say Deshaun Watson's suspended today. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's eight games yep then what happens from the nfl's side of things and the commissioner's side of things i i think my guess would be they wouldn't fight it and i know that sounds crazy because they've been so like they've very forcefully gotten word out there right and the reason the settlement talks fell apart is because they were assistant insistent on a year and now they're seeking something more than that, which is an indefinite suspension, which under the CBA is banishment, right? Like, it's like almost like he's not an NFL player. So the NFL has sort of been forceful in letting their stance be known. Why would they do that? Like, if they know that that's yeah. angering the U.S. District Court Judge Sue Roberts, why would they do that? They do that because they think things might be going the other way. And maybe they don't want to fight another round on the back end. And so at least it's known out there now what they were seeking. The biggest problem that the league has now, if it does come down to be six, eight, 10 games, is they negotiated this process two years ago with the union. This is the first high profile case. And what are you saying if in the first high profile case, you're completely undermining the process that you just put in place, especially when (laughs) that process was driven by a lot of owners. Like, remember how, remember Dan, you remember how angry Jerry Jones was over the Zeke Elliott thing, right? Like yeah. he was really, and, 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 and the whole premise of Jerry's argument and a lot of other owners arguments at that point was why are we in the business? Why are we trying to be the FBI here? How about we just let law enforcement take its course? And how about we let others lead us through the process? And if we have to outsource this, maybe we should outsource some of this, but we keep stepping on rakes when it comes to these things, whether it's Josh Brown, Ray Rice, Greg Hardy, Adrian Peterson, they've messed it up so many times. The whole idea of negotiating that thing two years ago was take it out of our hands so nobody can point the finger at us anymore. So I I think the way for the NFL to have its cake and eat it too here is to get word out there that they were looking to be really tough with Deshaun Watson here, but ultimately this is the process they put in place and they have to let that take its course. All right, that was Albert Breer on the Dan Patrick Show, and that echoes a lot of kind of what we have been hearing that about this process that ultimately it is up to Judge Sue Robinson to make the decision. The NFL could appeal it, but that that could lead to more of a court battle and something that they'd want to steer clear of. So, again, the best thing for everybody is that we just find out what's going on so that we can have the resolution. We can all move on. So, okay, here's what it is. Let's all go forward, and, and that, I think, is the best thing ultimately for for the league, for the Browns, for Deshaun Watson, for this whole situation to be able to be resolved, and Sue Robinson is the one who makes that decision. Those of you who are fans of building the Browns, the wait is over. Building the Browns returning this Sunday 
We will have an episode this Sunday, July the 31st, an episode on August the 14th, August the 28th, and then September the 11th. So four more episodes to go, one every two weeks, leading you up to the Browns' 2022 season uh, and taking you inside and behind the scenes as only the Emmy Award-winning Building the Browns can. All right, when we come back, we're going to look at Lance Zerline's top 10 Offensive Rookie of the Year candidates. No Cleveland Browns, but we'll talk about could David Bell be in the mix when it's all said and done. That's coming up next. And then at 2.30, Mike DiRocco, the ESPN NFL Nation Jacksonville Jaguars reporter as we look at one of the more intriguing teams in the NFL. Coming up next when Cleveland Browns Daily returns here on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily. Nathan Zagura and Jason Gibbs here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. Just two days before the Browns kick off their 2022 training camp to prepare for a big, big season. And we tried the phones. Naughty, naughty. But we did get a Twitter question, Gibbe, from Hamp the Champ. What's up, Mr. Hamp? He says, what position group battles are you most looking forward to this camp? Any group you think may be under the radar that we are not currently talking about? And I know you wrote about this. I, I what was your I answer? I about this. And, and AP came in and was like, you sure you want to go with that? And I was like, well, what other? And he's like, well, there's one really, really big one out there. And I'm like, well, I don't think of it that way. Um, God, what did I write? Well, what would you say right now? I just asked you the question. Just give me right off the cuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, I mean, we all talk about defensive tackle, but I feel like I, I am fascinated to see what happens in the corner room. What's the battle as you see it? Well, is is Denzel healthy? You know, he got, he got dinged up at minicamp. You know, who's – and if Newsom's moving into the slot – you know, does is greedy moving up? Where, who's like you're saying? If Denzel here? wasn't ready, I think the expectation is that he will be ready, and we'll find out obviously on on Wednesday if he's not. But I think that if that were the case, that you didn't have Denzel, I I think what you would do is greedy would be outside on one side, Greg and Greg would be the other outside corner in, in your base, and then if you went into a nickel, Greg would kick inside, and then probably AJ Green, if MJ Emerson's not ready yet, but AJ Green would probably get the first. Sh- crack at starting outside and that's still a pretty darn good group i i agree i i just think that there it, it bears watching from a competition standpoint i also think there i think there's something to the linebacker side of things yeah i think jok uh not jok i think jacob phillips and anthony walker jr yeah. is a very good competition and one of the few starting spots that are that are up defensive tackle obviously that room is totally wide open uh, punter is a big competition right now between Joe Charlton and, and Corey Bajorquez. So those are really – those are the spots. And then you got now I think Dobbs and Rosen competing for the third quarterback spot. Uh, Hamp said here, me personally, I think that Ford versus Johnson versus Felton could be fire. I, I don't know if, if Felton is going to be with the running backs. 
I really don't. And I think that then you could go and say, all right, so in the wide receiver room, there's incredible competition because you know Amari Cooper, you know David Bell, you know Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know Anthony Schwartz. Those are your top four. But once you start getting beyond that, you know, Jakeem Grant's got to count as a wide receiver. And when it's all said and done, there are 53 spots. So he'll be a, a receiver and he's your return specialist. You've got Michael Woods, your sixth-round pick out of Oklahoma, who's got a big body at 6'1 and has made a nice impression on a wide receiver coach, Chad O'Shea. You've got, you know, Demetric Felton then, who could be in the mix looking at that spot as well and competing to make this roster, plus Jamarcus Bradley. You've got a, a four-year veteran with 33 career games and seven starts, and Javon Wims, who's 6'4 and has a different body type. You've got the young man, Isaiah Weston, out of northern Iowa, who's 6'4 and a burner. And then you have the all-time leader in receptions at the U and Mike Harley Jr. So this is a, a room that I think has a lot of competition in it. So I think I think that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty good one. There, there are some things outside of the starters that are worth watching. There's, yeah. there's a lot of that second level, that next level that would that would need to step up. God forbid someone goes down, but we all know injuries are part of the game. Like, who who's that next level that's going to step up? I think there's a lot of positions there to be decided. There are, and I think how that ultimately plays itself out is going to be very, very interesting. And I think that that is when you look at one of these these positions – you say, okay, we know who our top two quarterbacks are. We don't know who number three is. You know, the running backs, we know who our top three running backs are. I feel like we know number four is going to be Ford, you know, and that's why Felton moves on to receiver, perhaps, to be able to find a way to make this roster. What's Johnny Stanton's role? Do we carry a fullback, or does he make it as a, a third, fourth tight end? And he makes it in that way. On the offensive line, I think there's some battles on the offensive line to make this team. We know the starters, but the backups, you know, that's where it gets interesting. Chris Hubbard, I feel good about him making this team. James Hudson, uh, you've got Ethan Posick, Michael Dunn, Blake Hance, but then you drafted Dawson Deaton. You still have Drew Forbes. Yell the Froholt was with the team a lot of last year. You've got a young guy in Alex Taylor who the Browns really like at the tackle position. So this is, uh, there are a lot of people, and we talked about the defensive tackle room. We don't know anything that's going on there. Who the starters are, who the backups are going to be. You know, you've got an idea, but right now you got really five guys for four spots. And could an undrafted free agent like uh, a Glenn Logan could he make an impression and say and play his way onto this roster? And then you got six guys for four spots. I think that is that's curious. Who are your reserve linebackers? You know, did Tony Fields take enough of a step forward that Tony Fields is the guy that makes this football team? Or behind him, you brought in Dakota Allen, who's a three-year veteran. You got Willie Harvey, who's been here for a couple of seasons so you know does rich LeCount solidify that fourth safety job or does perhaps he get pushed for that you know does DeAnthony Bell push him a guy who's made a good early impression on the coaches will he make that impression you know once we get into camp the young man out of West Florida so these are the questions that face this football team you know from a starting standpoint it's really all right Phillips or Anthony Walker who wins your mic job who are your defensive tackles on the defensive side of the ball offensively it's you know if, if Conklin's not ready who's your right tackle is it Hudson or Hubbard if um you know who wins the punting job and that's kind of it that's kind of it you know does David Bell come that's in still a does, decent you, number yeah but it's different than when we had no well, idea who was starting I, I anywhere was say, for this Browns team <laughs> yeah it was I thought I thought it was 
yeah, I think that this is a very solid, solidified roster where there are probably really at the end of the day, 45 of the 53 spots are set. If not higher. It's, I mean, it's we, deep. We, we could go through it. Um, I am interested to see who, who becomes the, uh, the training camp darling. Who's the undrafted guy or the under the radar guy that shows up and makes a run at one of these spots. Well, I mentioned like DeAnthony Bell in the yep. safety room, you know, pushing Rich LeCount. I, I think that he would be one, or maybe get, they keep five safeties because of the flexibility if he's a guy who can play some dime. Um, I think, you know, do you keep four running backs? And if so, you know, Chubb, Hunt, Johnson, and Ford. Where does that leave Felton? The wide receiver room, how does that last spot play out in the wide receiver room? So there are some, there are some interesting battles and things, obviously, that the Browns are going to have to sort out as this training camp unfolds. And I think what's going to happen, the proof's going to be with the pads on in these practices and then obviously in the three preseason games. And our first preseason game is down in Jacksonville, just like it was a year ago, against the Jags. And coming up next here on Cleveland Browns Daily, Mike DiRocco, the ESPN NFL Nation Jaguars reporter, joins us to talk about what should be a dramatically different second season for quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily. We are continuing our 10 most intriguing teams of 2022 series with a look now at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And boy, are they intriguing to me and to help us talk about this team and give you some insights. Who better than our current guest, Mike DiRocco, the ESPN NFL Nation Jags reporter. So, Mike, uh, let me just start with this. Could last year have been any more of kind of an, not even unmitigated, but an unfathomable disaster in Trevor Lawrence's first season in terms of what happened, what didn't happen, and, and the fact that it was just kind of a wild, wasted year down there in Jacksonville? Gosh, I'd hate to think that it could have been any more of a disaster than it already <laughs> was, because it was pretty bad. Um, I've never seen anything like it. I've been in this business for 30 years and have not even come close to experiencing a season like that um, from a media standpoint, let alone from, I can't even imagine what it was like for those players to have to deal with that. But, uh, you know, it, 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 there's only one way to go when you, when you're coming off a season like that and that's up. And, you know, there, there are certainly some arrows uh, pointing up for the Jaguars for various reasons. That doesn't, you know, I'm not saying that they're, they're headed for like a Cincinnati Bengals Super Bowl run in you know year two of Trevor Lawrence, but certainly um, I don't think they're going to be at the bottom of the league again. I'd agree with you. Let me ask you this. When did you know? At what point was it? And it, it may have very well been like the first training camp practice you saw or heard about, but when did you know that last year this something was amiss and this team was not being coached like an NFL team or prepared like an NFL team? Well, when they walked out on the field for the opener in Houston and – were just it looked like they had just showed up the day before and were like hey we're playing a game tomorrow glad you guys are all here let's go uh they just looked on they, they got penalized um twice or they had they had too many men on the field on defense twice and had to call a timeout a, to, to avoid having it happen a third time uh it was brutal uh, just how unprepared they looked and i thought uh-oh because that houston team 
everybody thought last year was going to be the worst team in the league by far, and it wasn't the case. And then the night that Urban was, you know, caught on video in the bar up there sure. in Columbus behaving inappropriately, that's when I knew that, uh, yeah, there was no uh, there was no chance for that team to have any success last year. It was shocking, but the good news is that is in the past. In comes Doug Peterson, and now this is a team that you feel like, as you mentioned, there is some talent. What's the biggest, you know, in your mind, difference maybe from OTAs or the minicamp that you saw at, with, with Peterson in charge, and how, how bright is the outlook for this Jaguars team as a result? Well, you know, the biggest thing, honestly, is, is the personnel significantly better than the group that walked off the field last year. Um, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, okay, those guys aren't, you know, massive Pro Bowl, all pro receivers, but they're a significant step up from what the Jaguars dealt with last year. Evan Ingram, uh, the tight end, uh, signed a one-year deal. He's probably the best pass-catching tight end this franchise has maybe ever had, except back in the day with Pete Mitchell, way, way back in the, in the yeah. mid-'90s. Um, so their personnel offensively is better. You've got Travis Etienne. Uh, on the field this year, I mean, he missed last year as a rookie with the Liz Frank injury, but, you know, looks fantastic, is completely cleared at the start of camp and ready to go. So just the, that factor alone makes them better. And then when you talk about what they did on defense with Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker and, and adding uh, Foye Luikin and, and um, you know, Darius Williams, the corner from the Super Bowl champion Rams. So their personnel is significantly better. And then you add in the fact that you have a – competent, experienced, non-dysfunctional coaching staff led by Doug Peterson, who is a former quarterback in the league and and obviously a a guy who won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback and Nick Foles. And, you know, we saw how that disaster worked out here in Jacksonville. And and, and by the way, we all forget this too. He took Carson Wentz into an MVP candidate. No doubt. That's right. uh, Before he got hurt. So, I mean, you add all that in and, and you look at this team and you think, yeah, they're not great. They may not even be good, but they're certainly better than they were last year just on, on you know, talent alone and, and the fact that Doug Peterson is, is in charge now. That, that, that should make this team a six-win team um, in 2022. Yeah, and I think there's upside on that, as we talked about. Obviously, when you got Trevor Lawrence, who was regarded, you know, as so can't miss coming out, a wasted year, and hopefully the damage was not significant that was done in that year, but that he can bounce back from that. He's got, you know, Zay Jones and Christian Kirk in. What did you think of those contracts and how are they going to be utilized with Marvin Jones in that receiver room? And is there the potential for a LaVisca Chenault resurgence? Uh, well, you know, the, the Kirk contract thing was $83 million and, and everybody was like, Oh my, that's Christian Kirk. You're giving all that money to, but the bottom line is, is if you look between now and then the Jets, kind of ruined the wide receiver market for all these they other did. teams that have had to pay big-time money to get their guys in. So yeah. they've taken a couple of dents out of some teams' salary caps in the future. Um, you know, Kirk will play mainly in the slot, um, and you know, he had a really nice catch on the sideline today, tiptoe type of thing, um, you know, late in the practice. This was their first practice today. Uh, but the thing of it is, is you know, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and, and uh, Christian Kirk are their top three. Without question, those are their top three. Okay. And, and, you know, LaVisca Chenault's going to have to find a way to make some impact after that because, um, you know, this team has also got Laquan Treadwell, who was probably their best receiver at the end of the year. They brought him back. They're also dealing with Jamal Agnew, who 
Um, you know, he's only been a receiver for several years, but he's one of the league's best kickoff returners. He's coming back off an injury. Um, you know, then you, you look at, at the tight ends with Ingram and Dan Arnold, yep. um, who has been a solid pass-catching tight end. Even if you look at LaVisca Chanel as the number four wide receiver, I mean, there's a lot of other guys that are going to get the ball, ETN. Um, you know, so there may not be a ton of opportunities for LaVisca Chanel. Um, you know, last year he led the team in drops. It was, uh, you know, he, his numbers, you look at his numbers and you just say, okay, he had a pretty good year. But, man, he led, like I said, led the team in drops. He was out of position a lot. I'm sure we've all seen the clip, or you guys have all seen the clip, where uh, he and, and Marvin Jones run into each other, uh, you know, late in the game at the end of the year because they were running the wrong route or LaVisca was running the wrong route. So um, LaVisca has a long way to go to kind of be one of their top three or four options offensively. But he's a second-round pick. They're not going to give up on him for sure. And he looked good in OTAs. And, you know, he had a nice catch and run today in the first day of practice. So, you know, it's a good start for him for sure. When you look at this offense and you've listed, you know, Kirk and Jones and Jones at receiver, Evan Ingram at tight end, Travis Etienne, and then James Robinson, who I know avoided the pup list uh, on the defensive side of the football. How do you see, you know, is there anybody from a fantasy perspective that you think is going to emerge as the one guy you want in this offense? Wow. Uh, I mean, I think Kirk will, will, you know, he'll be their wide receiver one, so he'll get wide receiver, you know, one action, I guess. He's not, you know, a true number one wide receiver, if that makes a whole lot of sense. Sure. Um, But the guy, you know, I've had people ask me this. The guy I I tell people, go ahead and draft or take Evan Ingram. I think he's going to be a big-time factor in this offense. You can move him around, do a lot of things with him. Uh, you know, when the Jags had Dan Arnold uh, on the field last year and he was healthy, which was not a whole lot of time, I mean, they got him the ball a lot. They moved him around. I think they're going to do a lot of the same kind of things with Ingram, get some matchup issues. Um, you know, if you've got Ingram on the field as well as ETN and Kirk and Marvin Jones, now all of a sudden you've got options there. And the middle of the field was not an area that they worked very well last year, but I think Ingram will allow them to do that this year. And and he's really a wide receiver playing tight end. I mean, he's not your interior, you know, inline tight end. So he's, you know, you almost have to look at him as a wide receiver. So I'm telling people when they ask, take Evan Ingram, I think he's in line for a big, big year for for, uh, the Jaguars. When you look at, at, at Trevor Lawrence, what's the biggest difference you see in him right now than from, uh, from a year ago? It's just um, – it, it stood out to me in OTAs, too. It's just the confidence and the um, comfort level that he didn't have last year. Um, you know, he's a, a rookie. He's coming off shoulder surgery. He's dealing with a head coach and, and coaching staff that was making the transition to the NFL – um, he's dealing with all the issues that, I mean, we don't have enough time to go into with Urban Meyer sure. there. And he has to be, he had to stand up at the end of the year and be the leader for that entire team. And that includes his head coach. And he had to sit there and say, look, we need James Robinson on the field. He needs to be on the field. We can't have any more of these distractions. This stuff's got to stop. Um, so that leadership married to the fact that he feels so much better because he knows what to expect. 
He's got a great head coach in, in Doug Peterson, a guy who played the position. He's a quarterback-friendly guy. They're building the offense around him. They got him all these extra weapons. He just looks so much more confident and comfortable. Now, does that mean he's a 30-touchdown, you know, seven-interception guy? Yeah, I don't know. But certainly you have to feel good if you're the Jags that, that he's in the mindset that he is heading into his second year. So that's the offense. The defense, you know, you had the number one pick in the draft, two first-rounders to that defensive side of the ball. Uh, what do you like about this defense? And, and by the way, I, why can't this team win their division? I think Tennessee is <laughs> middling. The Colts, uh, we'll see. They're good, but they don't scare anybody, and they needed to get in the playoffs against last year's Jags, and all they do is beat them and, and couldn't do it. And the Texans are, you know, they still don't seem to have everything figured out. If this D is good, why couldn't this team do some things of consequence? Yeah, uh, that is a question that, that, that I've actually kind of thought about, too. It's like this is not the AFC West, as, as you mentioned. It, no, it's a little or the bit, North. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. You know, the, the, defensively, the Jags couldn't get to the quarterback last year, and that's been their, yep. their problem last couple of years. And then two years ago, they couldn't stop the run. They're marginally better at it last year. So, but, but the main thing is getting to the quarterback, which is why, you know, they signed Arden Key in free agency. It's why they drafted Trayvon Walker, number one overall, even though he's a real raw uh, prospect at outside linebacker. Um, you know, it's why they drafted Devin Lloyd, 27th overall, a guy who can kind of do it all. He's not, you know, your true typical pass rusher, um, but he can play inside, outside. He can rush the passer at times. Um, you know, they added another linebacker in Chad Muma who can play inside, a little bit of outside as well. And I mentioned Darius Williams from before. Um, you know, all of a sudden now you've got three corners that you feel really good about with him and Tyson Campbell and Shaq Griffin. And, you know, Williams will work mostly in the slot. So you've gotten pieces. Now, do they mesh? Do they gel? I don't know. Um, this franchise has a lot of problems with the Titans. Uh, they haven't won in Nashville since 2013. Um, and Derrick Henry just kills this this franchise. Yeah. So um, you know that to me, you know I, I still think the Titans are pretty good. Um, but you know losing AJ Brown is certainly going to hurt. And the question is how much how much longer can Derrick Henry perform at that big of a level, yeah. that high level for a physical back? Um, but I mean I love Matt Ryan. I think that was a really good signing. For, Very good move for the Colts. Um, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor's the key there. And can this team stop Jonathan Taylor? Um, you know, Darius Leonard, I guess, is, is, is dealing with an issue. But, I mean, he should be fine for the regular season. I do right. think it's a little more open than maybe everybody thinks. But, but if you made me, you know, could the Jags sneak in as the champs at 9-7? and seven? I think that might be asking a little bit too much. But uh, or nine and eight, excuse me. I can't get to the seventeenth game. My math never adds up. Anymore. It's hard, right? Uh, I know it is. It is. But I mean, I still think they're a year away from being a team that could win this division. They've got to figure out how to win at least six games first. Um, so that that's kind of where I think they stand. Is that what you kind of put them at right now? Six and eleven, seven and ten. What would be considered, you know, a successful season for them? Well, to be honest with you, six wins might get Doug Peterson a statue after the last two. I mean, <laughs> they've won four games the last two years combined. Um, yeah. You know, and they play the AFC West, so that's not Rough. good. Um, you know, they play the NFC East uh, as well. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, I mentioned the, the problems with the Titans. You know, if they can get six wins and there's no distractions, no off-field issues, no dysfunction, no one's at a bar – 
No one's getting arrested. It's just a right. normal NFL season. Then I think that's a massive success for this franchise because the last two years certainly have not been that, and this franchise needs normalcy at this point. It sure does, and I hope they get it. Always have fun when we go down there, and we will for our preseason opener uh, on Friday. That is, what, August the, the 12th? Is that right, Gibby? I got that date right. Friday, August the 12th, we'll be down in Jacksonville. So we'll look forward to seeing you and, and hope that, you know, things for the Jags can be better. I think Trevor Lawrence, got a lot of people like them coming out, would like to see him get a chance with some stability. So that should come this season. Mike, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Mike DeRocco, the ESPN NFL Nation Jags reporter, 30 years plus covering this league. He never saw anything like he saw last year, and hopefully for Jags fans, they will not again. So much more to come here when we return, wrapping up this Monday edition of Training Camp Week here on Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right. Big thanks to Anthony Poizal. Of course, you can keep up to date on the 10 biggest questions heading into Browns training camp at cleanbrowns.com, the Browns mobile apps. You can go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Browns. I got two-minute drills, position previews, every position on the roster, every player on the 90-man roster. Learn about them. Get ready when you come out here. And then, of course, the Browns breakdowns. I urge you all to check those out. Those are at our YouTube channel as well. That's myself and the rookies position coach. So David Bell, it's me and Chad, o- me and Chad O'Shea. For you're talking about Perion Winfrey. It's me and defensive line coach Chris Kiffin. For Cade York, me and special teams coordinator Mike Prefer. Uh, for Martin Emerson Jr., me and the great defensive back coach Jeff Howard. So it's me and the position coach of that rookie in the film room looking at their college tape and then where applicable some of their tape from the OTAs in the mini camp. I can't stress enough how much I enjoyed making this series and I think it will provide insights to you about these rookies that quite frankly you won't be able to get anywhere else. So I urge you to go ahead and check those out. YouTube.com slash Browns. want to thank Mike DeRocco for joining us about the Jags. And I mean, when he said it in 30 years, he's never seen anything like that. It, it just tells you how unbelievably unique and frankly bad things were last things were uh, last year down in Jacksonville. I, I, just, I, I guess like as good a college coach as he is, if you're a college program, are you giving him the keys at some point in the next like two years? College like, is totally different. It's totally different. Of course he can recruit. Yeah, of course it's, it's different than the NFL. You can have superior talent and be able to win that way in college. You, the NFL, the everybody way he handles talented. himself. I think a school that's looking to make a splash is going to give him a, a shot because he he does build championship programs in the collegiate game. You can't deny that at all. All right, big thanks to AP. Thanks to Mike DeRocco for Gibe. I am Nathan Zagura saying the next level is next. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.